1: And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And that's about it. That's all I want to do. No, I want to take my mask off. That's right. I want to take the mask off because that ban has been lifted on air travel. And that's uh, really Really great news. Welcome news. But the libtards out there are just very unhappy with this choice that people have been given. You know, they they are not pro-choice. Let's put it that way. They're not pro-choice uh, when it comes to uh, your civil liberties. They're pro-choice when it comes to killing babies, like the call we got yesterday, where... <laughs> In California, I guess there's gonna be a vote today uh making that decision as to whether or not uh, adults can kill a baby uh six weeks old. That's absolutely stunning and absurd, and more than likely because it's California, it'll probably pass because they don't know the word "no" when it comes to abortion. they want everything they want a i mean it's hard to imagine you know where people's heads are as to how far they would go. There's such radicalism. It's like, well, it's your child. You should be able to kill your child even if they're 12 years old. There you go. 12 years is not enough. I mean, I, I, there are people out there that believe stuff like this, and somehow their minority view, their unprincipled view, their, their misguided, insane view becomes the law of the land and i say that because you know what's interesting is about five years ago i saw this democrat socialist convention and it was the biggest set of wackadoodles you've ever seen in your life i mean you couldn't imagine these people even existed you come to find out that they're actually working in our government they're actually getting health care and great salaries. But they're all showing up at this thing and they're like, um, you know, the gentleman in the back, someone referred to someone like that. And the person like, I just want to say that I'm offended that you would call, consider me that pronoun, but whatever. I go by this pronoun, that pronoun, I'm cisgender this, I'm transgender that, I'm I'm whatever uh, you, you know, I am today, whatever I thought up today is what I am. And, and then, and then someone else said, you know, um, there's been some complaints about applause in the, in the, uh, in the auditorium. And so we're going to ask people to wave their hands. And, you know, during the Oscars, I did see that, that, uh, you know, uh, when the, um, Award was given for the best... I think it was the best movie of the year uh, where the leading actor was a deaf guy. Uh, He was deaf. And he, he, you know, it's all about sign language. That I understand. I get that. I get the sign language thing. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if it's any good. Maybe they just checked the box and said, we need one of these kind of movies to be best picture. Who knows, because the people running the show have done stuff like that before in the past. That's the only reason why I say it. Um, but what I want to say is, is that in this socialist construct, this auditorium, this annual event, you know, they would have to wave their hands because it would offend or would overexcite some of these fragile people. And these fragile people couldn't take the 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 noise of the applause, so they just had to wave their hands. And if you want, maybe you can snap your thumbs. You know, you can go like that. That's a little bit, you know, more tolerable. And I just don't understand it. So, you know, five years ago, I saw this and I thought, okay, whatever, it'll never take off. These fringe people. And then you see these quacks, these wackadoodles, teaching our children sex education, trans education, cisgender education, you know, and they're eight years old. And I thought, why are they doing that? Why are they even interested in talking about sex with our children? Why? And then it occurred to me that that child that's eight years old is actually going to be voting in 10 years. That's just like two elections. So it's really, I mean, when you think about 10 years, it's nothing. I mean, these years are going by in a blip. And the liberals are playing this, this long ball game from every angle. And they're basically indoctrinating our children for their votes. They're harvesting them. They are harvesting those votes. They, they did enough studies. They did these gender studies. They did these studies, you know, that were research funded by you. You know that, you know, you, we hear about these studies about, you know, $750 million used to study lobsters on a treadmill or whatever, you know. You've heard that stuff, Right. Well, what if it is the case that the liberals are also getting research, you know, advancing, um, uh, putting, uh, d- directing money into universities and helping out some of their lib- liberal friends put together these research studies, and all of a sudden they come up with all kinds of human behavior tricks that it's 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 proven that you know in lab rats and in rabbits and and in in uh, pet dogs and. And, and even, even now we've gotten some human studies that, you know, the age of five to, to nine years old, five to ten years old is, is when they are shaped the most. And you could say, well, this is really great information that we can take and apply to parenting. And that's really great. You say, well, that is great. But what if they're then taking that information and they're giving it to, you know, giving it to these uh, political operatives? And the political operatives are taking this. I remember I had a friend that, um, you know, was in, in, in marketing and told me about marketing as a social science. And the idea was that they had these jelly beans and they changed the colors of the jelly beans, and they changed the display, and they changed the whatever. And it was it was about how to get people to walk through a store and, you know, almost like grooming them from when they walked in the store, the The temperature, the air uh, blowing in your face. You know, And they, they also said things about fast food. The reason why they paint the fast food furniture such ugly colors like pink or yellow or brown, you know, and these really loud colors, you know, like McDonald's or something. And they're changing that. But I remember back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, there would be these awful colors you would never want in your own home. And they would do it because they wanted you to leave. They didn't want you to hang out. And then the culture became different because... They wanted you to stay because it got to be really cool and uh, that you would uh, stay in a coffee shop and read your newspaper and hang out on your laptop and drink your latte. And next thing you know, they wanted you to stay, and they, they went with earth tones, and they changed the colors. And this all impacted human behavior. And the longer the people stayed in the uh, environment, the more their friends would come out to visit them in that environment, in this communal environment where they thought, wow, this is pretty cool. We get to hang out, not at your house with your stupid sofa, um, but we get to hang out and watch you know, all the pretty girls and all the human interaction. And, and it's, it's more enjoyable than sitting out there at a bar and drinking one beer after the next for the same principled effect. Only you get a twofer with the alcohol. But, you know, so the idea, they change the uh, atmosphere. And you'll see a big difference in uh, environments where they want you to stay or where they want you to leave. And this is social science. This is all part of the market research, marketing research, which is not really necessarily from the business school marketing. It is, but it isn't. It's a social science. And what they've figured out is that they could best impact future voters to vote the way you want them to vote by grooming, grooming. And the liberals hate this word grooming. You mentioned the word grooming, and they right away get agitated. That's a trigger word that's going to give them, you know, PTSD if you're not careful. And speaking of PTSD, uh, you know, there's this Taylor Lorenz. So just the other day, actually, it was, I think it was Friday or whatever, Tucker Carlson had on uh, TikTok uh, the libs of TikTok. Libs of TikTok. It's, uh, they got banned on Twitter for a little bit. And I, I think that they might be back up. I'm not sure. They got like temporarily suspended. And it's like, what did they do? What, what was the crime? that The libs of t- t- liberals of TikTok, what did they do? And their crime was that they took they took uh, videos that were created by liberals on TikTok and they put them on another social media platform like Twitter. And they were basically saying, watch this. They didn't say anything derogatory. They just showed it. I do that sometimes too. I'll see like a liberal... Uh, point of view, and they're actually proud of it. They put this out there, right? And you share it. You say, this is what's going on. We did that last week with these teachers who were talking so proud about how gay they were and how they could tell this now to the five-year-olds and seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds that they're teaching and, and grooming and guiding through life. Or the Disney people, you know, that really feel like they have a a public duty to you know change the uh change the pronouns of things and uh one of the heads of, of disney is a parent that just so happens to have a transsexual as one child and a pansexual as her other child and you wonder what the hell's going on in that household what kind of grooming is going on there to to make the odds like that you know what are the odds that's supposed to be a fraction of one percent. Is a hundred percent in your household. Hmm. Sounds like me. You're not eating your Wheaties. Then again, Bruce Jenner was on the cover of a Wheaties box, right? But so is Kale Sanderson too. So, you know, he was the great wrestler. Um But here's the thing. Taylor Lorenz, she is on MSNBC, she's um She's a writer for the Washington Post. You know, she's a successful influencer. And here she is because she said some things that were so whacked out that Libs of TikTok decided to just play her own words, her own production. Believe me, when I say something on the radio, right? And you want to share this podcast? Well, this is a live show right here. But the live show is going to become a podcast soon. And once it does, you want to share it with your friends. Go ahead and share it. That's that's what we're trying to do, right? That's what we're all about. Share the heck out of it. Share it. Put it everywhere. But this girl, because the liberals are talking out of their ear, it seems like, They're ashamed of the words that they actually say. Thank goodness we have videotape archive. We need to do a better job of cataloging. But yeah, so this is Taylor Lorenz crying her eyes out about her PTSD. I doubt she ever served as a, like a Marine on the front lines in war. But let's take a listen to her feeling sorry for herself and let's see, well, oh, I don't uh that's not working. hmm, well, we can get it to work at some point. um I just realized that my uh backs- backtrack sounds are not working, huh, all right, well, in any case. And here they are.
0: I, I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I, I contemplated suicide. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating.
1: And terrifying. It's horrifying.
0: I'm so sorry. It's, fine, it's, it's fine. overwhelming. It's really hard. I've had to
1: remove. So now Taylor Lorenz is taking the libs of TikTok, libs of TikTok, person, out uh, to task and doxing this person who showed up on Tucker Carlson uh, anonymously, did not want to be outed or exposed. Or revealed. So, you know, it's just one of these things where uh, it says here cry, bull, cry bully activist journal, Taylor Lorenz, doxes, libs of TikTok creator, who's a woman as well, goes to the homes of her family members. So, this person who's basically saying, you know, that she is suffering from threats and this and that is doing basically what she said was happening to her but no one was trying to hurt her so cry bully activist and washington post journalist taylor lorenz is doxing the creator of the popular libs of tiktok twitter account and when went to the homes of the private citizens relatives as part of her harassment campaign you may remember the lorenz was on television recently crying about being subjected to doxing and harassment for being a female journalist. Oh, well's me. So Glenn Greenwald wrote this. He says, Taylor Lorenz is about to expose the private citizen behind some anonymous account on Twitter, and when people criticize her for it, she and her friends will claim Taylor is the real victim, and anyone criticizing this type of journalism will be guilty of causing her trauma of course this is all about silencing she said a bunch of stupid things and she wants to silence the people that are making fun of her but you know you gotta kind of own what you say and uh stand up for yourself but um i don't know you know the thing is is that um there is some really good news that came out last night yesterday and um, this is what it sounded like on Alaska Airlines when the announcement was made that they no longer had to wear a mask on a plane let's take a listen <laughs> it's <over> immediately congratulations <laughs> the uh, airlines that are involved in this are uh all the bi- all the big boys all the major ones um but Lyft and Uber have not uh they've not gotten on board yet of course Valerie Jarrett is on the board of Lyft so good luck with that um but America Airlines Southwest United Delta JetBlue Spirit Frontier and Alaska Eight airlines all got on board and endorsed this no mask wearing thing. And I'm sure that today it's going to be even more because um, of what the judge in Florida said. So Judge Kimball Mazell, the CDC's mask mandates were vacated against the advice of liberal public health folks because Federal Judge Kimball Mazell is a textualist who concluded that sanitation only meant cleansing from 1830 to 1844 when the PHSA passed in 1944. USG argued the United States, I don't know what the G stands for, argued 2022's, defense number two decision a 1944 statute gives the cdc authority on sanitation to combat diseases the judge wrote that wearing a mask cleanses nothing it limits the spread of covid19 through prevention but never actively destroys or removes it so You know, the thing is, is that um, the Democrats are pushing back against it. They're all upset about this. And it says here, it's unsettling. This is what a liberal wrote. It's unsettling how matters of public health have been publicized to the point where activist federal judges can overturn CDC mandates as unlawful because... They use 1944 definitions of sanitation only as cleaning, cleaning while it its meaning, uh, while it means wearing masks in 2022. And Mark Joseph Stern wrote, "Who should decide whether air passengers must wear masks? A federal agency staffed with expert accountable to the president, who is accountable to the people, or a 35-year-old Trump judge in Tampa?" Very attractive judge, too, I must uh, say. She's a very good-looking woman. And um, smart, obviously very, very smart. And, uh, you know, what she has done is remarkable, actually. And that's a Trump judge in Tampa. And um, here's the thing. I said, what's unsettling is that the CDC chose the 1944 sanitation statute to infringe on people's civil rights live by the sword die by the sword the point is is that it was the cdc that chose that rule because they didn't have any leverage they had no jurisdiction except that they dug deep and found like a loophole in the law and they played that game and the judge basically took that game and flipped it up and shoved it up their nose. And thank goodness she did that because this was a game. The CDC has, has never really exercised this kind of authority over people. I imagine that legally they could get away with doing it. That's why when the CDC got their, got them, found a loophole in the law and got themselves a little muscle, Everybody's decided that's where we're going to hang our sword. That is where, you know, and I have to be honest, I didn't know this. I didn't know that this, this was why it was that everybody started embracing the CDC like they did. And now I know the CDC says this, the CDC says that the CDC is in charge. The CDC, whatever the CDC says, we're good. Never mind the fact that 98% of the CDC members or employees donates to political campaigns that are Democrat. 98% of the, I should say 90%, 98% of the donations uh, or 98% of the donation money that doesn't mean ninety eight percent of the employees donate to Canada. I don't think that's that's not the case it's it's ninety eight percent of the money that was donated out of c d c employees' pockets, however many number that might be that number is going exclusively it seems like to the Democrats. And, of course, Rod Rosenstein's wife worked at the CDC and she was on the board, you know, in the top brass making a lot of decisions. There was a lot of stuff going on with the CDC. They were using studies and data. And now we're finding out that these PCR tests and uh, all these different COVID tests were giving out. I, I read this report. I I dug and dug and dug uh, to try to figure out, to do, debunk it and to fact check it and I couldn't prove I could not prove against it um but all I saw is I saw several different sources that indicated that the cd these masks uh, these uh these covid shots I mean I'm sorry misspoke covid not uh covid tests were 90 percent false positive so, when you would get a false positive, when you would get a positive test, 90% of the time those tests were false. And of course, you know, I remember in uh, Nimbab- Namibia uh, in Africa, um, the leader of one of those countries uh, was giving out like uh, goat's milk and it was coming back positive And, you know, in the beginning, Uh, There was a lot of disinformation and misinformation to push this agenda. And then, of course, you know, um, Joe Biden also recently, uh, he recently uh, is putting together a uh, a summit to vaccinate the entire world. And that also, I find, to be very, very disturbing. And... um, I'm going to find that piece, too. And then we have something on Russia today as well and uh, some other things going on with the Ukraine. We're going to get to in just a moment. Um, But, uh, yeah, this one piece I wanted to find. Let's see. Hmm. All right. Well, <clears throat> in any case, he's pushing this thing out. And I'm basically saying... You know, this is exactly what it looks like. This is what the brochure looks like uh, when they want to advance uh, their initiative of a social credit score system. And you know, this is where I said this right here. Okay, so this was a uh, this was a short piece. It just basically says breaking: White House announces second global COVID summit on May twelfth aiming to bring solutions to vaccinate the world for everywhere for everyone everywhere okay that's a quote at the same time you got this federal judge that's basically saying you don't have to wear masks and then other studies have come out saying masks were completely ineffective i mean you know they might have improved the situation by like 2% but really the amount of impact negatively, and the things that it can cause in terms of harm, psychological harm, suicide rates, and all kinds of other other issues and problems. Dating, social, you know, how are you going out on a date? You go out on, uh, you know, one of these dating uh, services, right? Okay, Cupid, or, you know, I don't know, Plenty of Fish, harm- Harmony uh TikTok or Tinder, you know, all these different things. Um you go out and you meet, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what that's about. Like how in the world are people meeting that way with a mask on? That's just wow. It's absolutely nuts. But leave it to the liberals to to really just screw everything up. But this is what initiating, I said, when they, when I read this, I read this. The first thing that went through my mind, and I wrote it. Um, I read, White House announces second global COVID summit on May 12th, aiming to bring solutions to vaccinate the world for everyone, everywhere. I swear, that was, I mean, that was an absolute quote, right? And I said, This is what initiating a global new world order social credit score system to control your behavior looks like. Right here. And then there's these memes. Uh, This guy's got a mask. Uh, The police are putting a mask around this guy's face in Australia. And it says, the face you make after surrendering your gun rights. True. True. Or, you know, there was another one that says horses trampling protesters and another one where people are holding up a sign. The truth variant is here. This is not about anti uh, 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 this is not about a virus. It's about government total control of the people. That's what it's about. You know, that's what's going on here. And um, we know it. We all know it. But. You know the government is holding all the all the guns. They they want all the they have all the power. And you know, but it's it's shifting. It's a case like this where Trump's presidency even today has made a difference and is starting to chip away and give us our rights back. Because they're not They're not giving them to us willingly. They want to take them from us. And at the same time, they want to initiate this vaccine for everybody. Who's going to benefit from that? Who benefits from the climate initiatives? Who's who's profiting from that? Who's profiting from Pfizer's boondoggle? Why is it that the Congress men and women are... And I think there's just only two sexes today, right? Men, women, right? Okay. Just checking, you know, because I've heard like there's like 15 different, you know. But, you know, congressmen and women, how are they outperforming the best hedge funds on Wall Street? Why? How? How in the world are they smarter than the average bear when it comes to stock trading? Buying the right stocks at the right time. How is that? Like I say, you know, this whole thing about inflation has so many tentacles to it. Number one that Thomas Sowell did say, you know, it's a complete theft of the middle class. That is true. Thomas Sowell said that. And he's dead spot on. He's he's right on the money there. Thomas Sowell, brilliant thinker. And and the the idea here is that they did it on purpose. I believe it's intentional, and that's the part that bothers me the most. is Is that it could be done this intentional? Thomas Sowell wrote this: Inflation is an in infe- is in effect a hidden tax. The money that people have saved is robbed of part of its purchasing power, which is quietly transferred to the government that issues new money. Right. Okay. And I wrote, Thomas Sowell reminds us that the biggest transfer of wealth from the middle class to the government is by inflation. This is nothing less than another attack by globalist elite, politicians against the people they have been elected to serve. In an attempt to break you, Make you weak, control your behavior, gaslight you, and censor your truth. They are there. They and their corporate masters are the biggest threat to your freedom. And I said this earlier in the uh, weeks ago, and I, it was an original thought of mine that I thought, you know, I don't, I, I know this is intentional. I know it's not by mistake, and I know that the people that are the richest that are buying the boats, don't care if they spend $1.2 million or $1.5 million on their boat. You know, it's luxury. And the poorest of the poor don't have a say in the matter anyway because they're going to have their hand out no matter what. And so, you know, so long as those were 20% on each side, you'd have 60% in the middle class, whether it's upper, middle, or lower middle class. But he's crushing You know, the Biden administration is crushing the middle class. And the issue is if this is by this could very well have been by design because apparently they want war. Now they're talking about like, you know, Coons, for example, Delaware Senator Coons um, is pushing the notion that, yeah, we are going to send troops to Ukraine and uh, we're going to die for their border but yeah, we're going to open ours at the same time and let fentanyl come in and kill our people and terrorists come in and COVID come in and kill our people, right? None of this makes any sense, obviously. It's all a ruse. And I think that they knew that injecting cash through these spending bills into our economy was going to weaken our dollar and increase inflation to the point where the Federal Reserve is now going to increase the interest rates to try to slow things down and they're trying to say it's hot because our economies are booming. No, it's hot because the government injected all this cash and watered down the value of money. And they knew that it would do this. And the people that are supporting the Biden administration, whether it's Goolsby or some other stupid economist that I would never have on our show, um, is... Is, is by design and, and it's the people that bought in. Like I, I use the house as a metaphor. If you buy when the housing market is low and you can get the house on the cheap and you sell the house when it's high and you sell it on the bubble before it bursts, you will have made the maximum amount of money flipping that house. Right? Right. And so that's simple, basic math 101. You buy it when it's cheap. You sell it when it's expensive. And that's how you make a profit on a flip of a house. That's how you do it. The idea is, is that when the economy was great and Trump, they knew exactly how they were going to wreck it. So buy in now. We're going to wreck the economy and then we're going to sell it later. We're going to fleece it later. We're going to ruin it later. And basically, you're going to make a ton of money in the process. So we're going to go ahead and play this Tucker Open because he covers this. Something that I've been covering for the last couple of months, and you know it if you listen to this show. And Tucker's covered it last night, and he did a brilliant job with it. So we're going to go ahead and take a listen.
0: thing we can be absolutely certain of is they always go too far. They always get over their skis. They just can't help themselves, that's who they are. So in February, when the Russian military invaded Ukraine, there was always out there the chance that the Biden administration would find a way to turn what was a regional tragedy into something bigger, like a historical global catastrophe. That was always possible. So even before Russian forces entered the Ukraine, the White House promised us that would not happen. Quote, there is no intention or interest or desire by the president to send troops to Ukraine. That was the word from Biden's publicist from the White House. She said the very same thing, almost identically, the next month. The month after that, she said it again. Quote, Joe Biden does not have the intention of sending U.S. troops to Ukraine, Jen Psaki solemnly pledged to the nation. Why did Jen Psaki keep saying the same thing over and over? Well, because it wasn't true. She had to repeat it because it was a lie. That's how lying works. It's not believable, so you have to say it again and again and again. If you want know if someone's lying, count the times they assert something. The more often they assert, it, the less likely it is to be true. But also when the truth does come out, and this weekend it began to. Joe Biden's top surrogate in the Congress, that would be Senator Chris Coons of Delaware, a former Biden intern, appeared on CBS News and said the opposite of what the White House has been telling us for months. Koons demanded that the Pentagon deploy American troops to Ukraine to fight Russian soldiers. Watch. In some public remarks this week, you said um, the country needs to talk about when it might be willing to send troops to Ukraine. If Vladimir Putin, who has shown us how brutal he can be, is allowed to just continue uh, to massacre civilians, to commit war crimes um, throughout Ukraine uh, without NATO, without the West uh, coming more forcefully to his aid, um, I, gra- I, I deeply worry that what's going to happen next is that we will see Ukraine turn into Syria. Mm -hmm. The American people cannot turn away from this tragedy in Ukraine. I think the history of the 21st century turns on how fiercely we Mm -hmm. defend freedom in Ukraine and that Putin will only stop when we stop him. Without the West coming more forcefully to the aid of Ukraine. So the Ukrainian military has been trained by NATO. It uses American arms. In some cases, being led by Americans. The Ukrainian government is advised directly moment to moment by Americans. There are many Americans in Ukraine right now doing that. So what Chris Coons is calling for is land war with Russia. Now, that's not a small thing, given that, once again, Chris Coons is Joe Biden's closest ally in the Senate. Chris Coons is an unfailing and faithful spokesman for the administration's policies, whatever those policies happen to be. So when Chris Coons calls for war with Russia, he does not do it accidentally. And in this case, the White House has not distanced itself from what Chris Coons said. Oh, why? Well, because war with Russia is the administration's actual policy. Leaders of the Democratic Party want to topple the Russian government by force and affect regime change in Russia. They have wanted this since the day that Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 presidential race. We know this because they've said so many, many times. And the only reason the rest of us missed it is because we didn't take them seriously enough. But we should have. A hot war with Vladimir Putin using American troops is the logical, maybe inevitable, end stage of Russiagate. So the whole thing began with Hillary Clinton complaining, then the P-tape And now it's moving toward nuclear war.
1: Right. The P-tape and now this. They've been also meddling in Ukraine. And then not only that, but um, this is great for the military-industrial complex. Remember, Tulsi Gabbard, we played her clips about a month ago, two months ago. And she said this is because they want this. They want this. The Green Initiative wants it because... The green initiative is going to be happy because we're going to buy less oil. We're going to buy – it's going to impact supply chains. We're going to buy less beef. You know, there's a reason why those hackers attacked beef and oil last year, a year and a half ago, right? And the same thing with this war. Again, it's Putin's fault that the inflation has happened and supply chains are are disrupted and oil prices are so high. And the green people are just laughing and smiling. And guess who else is laughing and smiling? Lindsey Graham, and the military-industrial complex, and all of these all this business that they're going to get building bullets and missiles and guns and and all kinds of stuff, right? On the black market, pays to be a war dog now, man, because. You can get into this military contractual business, and you can make a you know a, a truckload of money. Let's uh, uh, through the military industrial complex, through small contracts and big investors like Mitt Romney, and Lindsey Graham, and Amy Klobuchar are all going to be in on the business. You watch.
0: So, what that look like a hot war with Russia? How many Americans would die during that war? How likely is it to escalate to nuclear conflict? And if we succeed, if we remove Vladimir Putin from office, who will replace him as the head of Russia in charge of 6,000 nuclear weapons? Those are some of the first questions that jumped to mind when war with Russia is discussed. But the newsreader on CBS, who was interviewing Chris Coons, didn't bother to ask any of those questions. Nor did she ask the one thing you would need to know if you were running a functioning democracy, which is how many Americans, how many voters actually want war with Russia? What percentage of the American population believes that Ukraine's borders are worth dying for? That's a central question in a democracy, and as it happens, we know the answer. Because CBS itself ran a poll on that topic just a week ago, and they asked this question. Should the United States send troops to Ukraine? Answer, fully 75% of Americans said no, the United States should not send troops to Ukraine. And yet somehow... The CBS Newsreader forgot to mention any of this to Chris Coons. Why? Well, you know why. Because in Washington, what you think is irrelevant. Our foreign policy matters of life and death. Decisions that destroy nations are made entirely by people with no skin in the game. People who face no conceivable risk of injury. People like John Bolton and Max Boot, Toria Nuland. Your opinion doesn't factor into the equation at any point. So if you bothered to ask American citizens what they think, and if you cared about democracy, you would, they'd likely tell you that their borders are more important to them than Ukraine's borders are. That makes sense because they're Americans, not Ukrainians. And if you ask deeper, you would find out that at the very top of their concerns is not Ukraine. They feel sympathy for the people of Ukraine, but they're not taking up too much disk space brooding about Ukraine moment to moment because they have other things to worry about, starting with their own economy, especially the cost of food, energy, and housing. They're worried about these things and they're right to be worried. At this point, the United States is looking at a grim economic picture. pull out that credit card today, beware. If you don't pay it off in full, your interest rate is probably about to jump. The Federal Reserve, the nation's central bank, is expected to raise rates by a quarter point today as it tries to throw cold water on runaway inflation. Every time you go and shop, every like a price of something has gone up by so much. It's insane.
1: Every American shopper has seen it firsthand. Clothing up six and a half percent, food up eight and a half percent, electricity up nine percent
0: used cars up 41 percent and gasoline up nearly a buck 50 from a year ago
1: milk flour sugar um like cartons of oil like frying oil that's been insane that's like tripled in price so that's been crazy
0: the highest inflation in 40 years Highest inflation in 40 years, those are the official numbers, which of course bear no resemblance to the day-to-day reality. Everything is much more expensive, and that's especially true of the big things. The big things are the most expensive of all. Now, why is that? Simple. The declining power of U.S. currency has created an unprecedented asset bubble. That means investors around the world are rushing to convert increasingly worthless U.S. dollars into objects that might hold value over time. So anything tangible costs a lot more, a lot more than it did a year ago. And There's no mystery in this. This is exactly what happens when you pump too much money into an economy. The money becomes worth less. So where is this going? How is it going to unfold? Nobody believes the interest rate rises we're seeing will get inflation under control quickly. So what happens? Well, at some point, consumers will begin to run out of cash to spend. Assets will become too expensive to buy, and the average person will have less money to buy them. At the same time that prices are rising, so are taxes. Property taxes are rising in many places in tandem with the real estate bubble. So even if you didn't buy a new house, you will suffer because of that. State income taxes have risen dramatically in places like New York. So they're getting it from both ends, and that means that some people, maybe a lot of people, will start to go broke. And as they do go broke, they'll be forced to curtail what they buy. In an economy driven largely by consumer spending, this is a very scary trend. When people stop buying things, the crash comes. So you can see very clearly where this is going. Everyone in Washington understands exactly where it's going. But instead of taking real steps to fix it, like stop writing these massive spending bills, they're taking everything they can, all the money's still on the table, while there still is money. Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, declared last week, for example, that, quote, we must redouble our efforts to decarbonize our economy. So what does that mean exactly? How do you decarbonize an economy? Well, by spending trillions of new stimulus spending on renewable energy schemes that, by the way, are owned by the Chinese government and Democratic donors. See how that works? You pass the cash around while it still exists. Another name for this is looting. It cannot go on forever by definition. Because if the economy tanks, everything resets, not just the economic questions. There could be genuine social and political volatility. Our current conversation can only happen in a country that still believes itself to be rich. But once the country doesn't think it's rich, everything changes. This tells you exactly why our leaders seem so jumpy. It's why they're more determined than ever to move the conversation away from economics, no talking about economics, and toward questions of race and obscure sexual politics. Every new moral panic they create, and they create them by the dozens, diverts attention away from themselves. They've been doing this for quite a while, since at least the financial crisis. Since that time, 2008, 2009, our leaders have been telling us over and over and over again, many books have been written about it, that the central divide in America, the seeping wound, the original sin, is race. Consider the timing. At exactly the moment the U.S. government bailed out Wall Street, not a popular move, Use of the terms race and racism in The Washington Post, The New York Times and USA Today jumped by more than 700 percent. So the official message was really clear. You've got problems and white men cause those problems. The white guys are taking all the money and the perks for themselves and they're holding everyone else down. Now, to this day, you hear that constantly, including from Joe Biden. It's the most divisive possible message. It's also factually speaking a lie. According to federal statistics, white men aren't even close to the richest group in the United States. Indian Americans, Chinese Americans, Filipinos, Koreans, Indonesians, among others, all have much higher median household incomes than whites. So the story is not only destructive of the social fabric, it's not even true. The actual fault line in American life is not color, it's money. The real problem isn't racism, it's wealth distribution. A small number of people, smaller every year, have become richer than anyone else in history. Meanwhile, the rest of the country is stagnated. And if you don't believe it, drive out 20 miles from the city center and see how people are doing. So, if the population understood this, that effectively it's an economic scam, it's got nothing to do with racism or transgenders, the population would be pretty mad about that. Joe Biden and his donors fear that. They don't want you to think about economics. They prefer to keep you paralyzed by guilt and shame. And if that doesn't work, they'd rather you worried about Ukraine. Ukraine is the real scandal. Our economic problems are Putin's fault. Watch your Biden.
1: I'm doing everything within my power by executive orders to bring down the price and address the Putin price hike. In fact, we've already made progress since March inflation data was collected. Your family budget, your ability to fill up your tank, none of
0: it should hinge on whether a dictator declares war and commits genocide in a half a world away. So this is their last desperate talking point, and it's highly familiar to anyone who's watched American politics for the last six years. Putin did it, but it's ridiculous. And we feel it's always a moral obligation to rebut it with facts. This chart clearly shows it. Here are several core measures of inflation. They go back to 2011. You'll notice that all of those measures began spiking in what year? 2021, right after Joe Biden took office. It was the spending that did it. He's not the only one who spent too much, but he spent the most. Now, Biden could claim the spike started this February and the media would probably protect him, but things have gotten so obvious, economic decline being the one thing you really can't hide because people feel it every single day, that the media are beginning to stop defending it. Watch this. The White House says those price jumps are happening because of the war and what they call, quote, Putin's price hike. But remember, prices started spiking well before the war in Ukraine began. And every time we talk about gas prices, Democrats sue President Biden does, is always Putin's price hike. They're trying to blame, of course, the Russian president and the invasion of Ukraine uh, for the jump in, in prices. But of course, as polling suggests, the, this president is going to take a lot of the blame here. Biden has called it a Putin price hike, but most Americans aren't buying it, despite what president Biden says inflation was a major concern way before Putin's invasion. So no one's buying it because everyone understands the most simple principle in all economics, which is supply and demand. If you create a lot more money, the money loses its value, obviously. And yet this administration proposes spending even more money at a scale that this country has never seen. The founder of FedEx, Fred Smith, summed it up this way, quote, had we passed the Build Back Better bill that Biden wanted, my guess is that we would be Weimar Germany right now. We'd have 25 percent inflation, rather than nine or 10 percent. That's all very obvious. And again, you don't need to be running the Fed to understand it. Joe Biden may be the only person who doesn't understand. In this case, he gets a pass because in Joe Biden's head, he's far away. He's somewhere.
1: Well, he's somewhere else, that's for sure. You know, here's the thing. Uh, He was escorted away by the bunny rabbit yesterday. And while he was waving to the uh, fans uh, over at the White House, probably friends and family of the administration. um, Yeah, Jill uh, Biden had to uh, to basically under her breath say, uh, wave, wave, wave. And she was saying this, and it was just so weird and obvious that this guy is just like such a puppet. And like I said yesterday, you know, I think after he gets done reading something, if you were to ask him, what did he just say? I don't think he'd even know. I think he's just reading words on the page and trusting whoever puts them in front of him that they're going to make sense. Because <laughs> it certainly looks as if he's, you know, he's shaking hands with the air. You know, it, it, and and it's media around the world is making fun of Joe Biden and uh, it's it's become real obvious. I think it's going to be a bloodbath in 2022 and we'll see what happens there. We got to get the election rigging under control, though, that's for sure. Hey, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out org and BugleCall.org, uh, which is the parent Nonprofit uh, that is supporting Red State Talk Radio and the Scott Adams Show. Uh, they're uh, a big supporter of us. So you need to, you know, maybe pay some attention to over there and help them out if you can. Also, use Red State over at mypillow.com as your promo code, Red State. And be sure to check out the latest Substack podcast with all the write-ups and source information over at scottadamshow.substack.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye.